Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. By means of introduction, I want to draw your attention, not to this text, but to another text. Jesus, when he was alive on this earth, he spoke in parables. And he spoke in parables, or these stories, a parable is simply an earthly story revealing a heavenly truth. And in some of these stories, he taught them, not so that everybody could understand, but so that the ones who were following him could understand. And in Matthew chapter number 13, we find the great parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first one that he kicks off with is the parable of the sower. And the sower went out and sowed seeds. And some of the seeds fell off out of his bag onto the ground, and the birds came and devoured them. Some of those seeds fell upon a hard soil, the rocks, the Bible says, and the sun dried them up. And the Bible says that some of those seeds fell upon good ground, and those seeds produced more produce. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus expounded on what he meant by these parables. And he said that one of these little situations was, was, was the birds come and ate it. He said that was a symbology of how the devil, the wicked one, is going to come and devour those seeds. Today I bring that up to say this. That did you know that the devil is still alive and well and trying to do his tricks the Bible says, be sober, that is, be seriously minded. Why? Because our adversary, the devil, seeks as a roaring lion trying to devour in our world, trying to devour you and trying to devour me. If he can't use himself, he'll send his demonic spirits. And if he can't use himself and send his demonic spirits into our lives, then he's going to use individuals in, his in our lives to help guide us astray. And in this section of Scripture, we see that Paul is writing to this young man in the Christian faith by the name of Titus who's going to an island in the Mediterranean Sea called Crete. And in this island, he's going to, to start churches. And then in those churches, he is called to, to raise up elders and leaders in that congregation or the congregations to guide these believers. And apparently, a similar situation was going down in the church of Ephesus when Paul was writing to Timothy. And these individuals are false teachers that have come and teaching things that, that the Bible says are contrary to the Word of God. So today, my sermon title is three words. Rebuke false teachers. Rebuke false teachers. I was sharing a little bit with this with some of the ones in the lobby earlier today, but I was listening to a preacher uh, this past week, and, and he was talking about early in his ministry, he was all about the law of God. And isn't that the weakness of young preachers? And he said, in his, in his, now that he's a little bit more seasoned and has a few decades of ministry experience, he's all about grace. And he said, in the Christian walk, in our ministry, we have to have truth mixed with grace. We can't have truth apart from grace, and we can't have grace without truth. And I bring that up to say this, that when we are out reproving and rebuking these false teachers, we have to bring the truth of God with grace and compassion. Amen. I wrote down a key statement that I would just like to summarize everything in my message today. 
Exposing false teachers is critical in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Exposing false teachers is critical in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I'm not going to pull out the list of all these false teachers that are amongst so-called Christianity today. I'm not going to list them all out for you today, but what I want to share with you is, is three thoughts about why we should rebuke false teachers from this passage. And, and, and may I say this? We have to do it with grace. We have to do it with love, but we also need the truth of God. And by the way, my sermon today, in fact, just like a, a few in the past, you know, I am here. I've been called by God to oversee this flock of God. And that means sometimes I'm preaching a message that I'm not trying to become best buddies with you. Today, as much as I like to be best buds and we go cruising in a Chevy Camaro down the street with each other in the Blue Ridge Parkway, I love to do that. But, but hey, today is a message that, that may ruffle your feathers a little bit. Today, this, this may be a message that might make you a little bit mad. But today, I'm here because one day I'm going to stand before God. And the most important part about our church is not the songs that we sing in a sense. It's not about shaking everybody's hands and I try to do that. It's not about all those things. The most important part about our church, yes, is it advancing the gospel, but making sure we uphold to the pure doctrine found in the Word of God. Amen. Today, I want to share with you three thoughts about rebuking false teachers. Number one is found in verses 10 through 12. Would you look at these three verses with me? And as I was looking in and meditating in these verses, I wrote down this, rebuke false teachers because they are deceptive with their presentation. Rebuke false teachers because they are deceptive with their presentation. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, for there are many. Notice Paul used the word many. Apparently, there was a vast amount of people in the, on the island of Crete that was out promoting, out presenting, and out teaching contrary things to the words of Jesus Christ, the Old Testament scriptures, and the words of the apostle Paul. And may I say this, as I was meditating in this book of the Bible, I, I couldn't help but think about today, the modern state of Christianity, how, how there are many false teachers in our world and in our land today. In fact, there are some even in the Roanoke Valley. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Have you ever heard a sermon where the pastor got up and he talked 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 and he never said anything? <laughs> Man, it happens all the time. <laughs> Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and, and they never said anything? <laughs> well, I'm afraid that happens a lot these days. And I'm afraid that when a false teacher stands up and they begin to talk and talk and talk and talk, yes, yes, it may be uh, a full of some good things, but there's going to be poison in the midst. And by the way, have you ever uh, read the back of the, um, the, the uh, mice poison, you know, that you buy at the store? It's 99% good stuff and just that 1% bad stuff. And it reminds me of the leaven of the Pharisees when Jesus was speaking about how we talked about how, how the presentation is going to be good and it may have eloquent words and, and, and they just may be brilliant. 
And it's going to be full of a lot of good stuff, but there's going to be a little bit of non-truth mixed in there. And, and may I say this, when you're, when you're listening to preaching on TV or on the internet or wherever you're listening to it, or even right here today, we have to sift every sermon through the Word of God, making sure that what is being presented is found in God's Word. It says, especially they of the circumcision. Say circumcision with me. Circumcision. I'm not going to go into what this means, but I want you to know this, that if you have trouble of understanding this, just go home and ask your mommy and daddy, and they'll explain it to you. <laughs> um, but in the context of this passage, it's not referring to, to what is being done in a doctor's office with a little boy. It's referring to the teaching that is being taught and promoted by these false teachers. And I wrote down this, false teachers use Deception when adding to the gospel message. False teachers use deception when adding to the gospel message. Have you ever done any research about Mormonism? Mormonism, they have the Bible. In fact, they use the King's English, the King James Version of the Bible. They use it. But you know what they do? They add the Pearl of Great Price, they add the Doctrine of Covenants, and they add the Book of Mormon. The Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Proverbs and in the book of Revelation the importance of not adding to nor taking away from the Word of God. And here I want you to know that, that in verse number, number 10, the Bible says of the circumcision. Now you know that in the context of what's being presented here, there was a time in the, these, these, the early church where these Judaizers were coming in and in the church of Galatians and, 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 and this church apparently and Crete, how they would come and they would say, hey, hey, in order to be a Christian, a true Christian, you've got to go back and, and fulfill parts of the Old Testament law. They would say, hey, in order to be, be a true follower of Christ, you've got you to lay aside the pig. You've got to lay aside the catfish. Well, we know that that's not true. They would say, hey, in order to be a true follower of Christ, every boy in your household has got to be circumcised. No, it's not true. The Bible says that, that when Jesus came and he died on the cross, that he placed that law of God in the Old Testament on him, and now we are under the dispensation or the age of grace. And today, the law that God has set forth is the law of grace. And let's not add to the Word of God. Some people add baptism to salvation. Some people add church membership to salvation. Say that, that, that our church is the only true church in the world, and if you're not a member of our church, then you're not a member of the family of God. Listen, I don't care if you're a member of the Pentecostal, Charismatic, Methodist. I don't care what the church is. If you're not a part of the body of Christ, you're on your way to a devil's hell. You can be, a, you can be Baptist bred and Baptist dead your whole life. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you've got to get right with Him. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I believe when we, get old, if, if, when we enter into heaven, we're going to be looking around and we're going to be thinking, well, where is, where is old Miss so-and-so? That lady in the church. Where's brother so-and-so? That man in the church who used to sing specials. That lady who used to pray. You know, the Bible says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. So may I say this? Examine your heart today. Are you of the household of faith? Or are you listening to false teachers? Are you listening to the deception about adding to the gospel? The gospel in its, in its simplest form is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and it's by faith and faith alone that we are saved. Paul wrote over and over again. Look at verse 11. The Bible says about these false teachers, these mouths, the Bible said, has to be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. 
for filthy lucre's sake. I wrote down this. False teachers use deception when profiting from the gospel message. False teachers use deception when profiting from the gospel message. Today, I'm not saying that a pastor should not get paid. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying today is that if a pastor is, is full of greed and trying to use this place as a means to make millions, he needs to get right with God. How many times have we heard it on TV? The prosperity gospel says that if you're not wealthy, you're not right with God Almighty. <laughs> it might sound good to the ear. Because God knows we all could always use a few extra dollars. In fact, um, <laughs> do you ever get crazy emails? Gosh, I get some of the craziest emails. About a year ago, I got this email from some dude out in some other country. And he said, Brian, he said, Pastor Brian, you have a long lost relative <laughs> who, who is a multimillionaire and, and wants to donate a large sum of money to your estate. All you need to do is send us your account number and we'll send you the money to you. <laughs> Talk about deception. Yeah, I deleted that email for sure. But how many times have we heard on TV where, where a pastor will get up and say, if you sow a financial seed of $10,000, God is going to richly bless you. I'm sure he would. He would bless you. But I believe that sometimes when we're hearing people of the prosperity gospel, they're asking for those donations not to advance the kingdom of God, but they're asking for those donations to advance the kingdom of man. So let us, let us be aware of this, that greed cannot just fill the mind of the minister in the pulpit. Greed can fill the mind of the ministers in the pews. So hear me well today, that greed should never be a part of our vocabulary when advancing the gospel message. We should not use deception to profit off of this book right here. The Bible's not a book that was written to make millions of dollars. The, the Word of God is not, it's not about uh, building a large kingdom here on this earth. The Bible is about advancing the message of Jesus and building his kingdom up in glory. Look at, at the next verse. He goes on to say in verse number 12, speaking of these Christians, the Bible says one of themselves, even a prophet, that is a spokesperson of their own people, says these Christians are always liars. Evil beasts and slow bellies. I wrote down this. False teachers use deception when lying about the gospel message. I often uh, think that, that sometimes when I'm listening to preaching, I'm like, man, that was really, really good. Wow. <laughs> Mind-blowing. And then I listen to the same person say something, and I'm like, boy, where in the world did you get that from that passage? Now, I know sometimes I'm a little bit hard on what we call homileticians and pastors and preachers, but, but may I say the reason why I'm so hard is because this is the greatest responsibility in the world, and that is promoting and preaching and teaching the very words of God. And if what we are promoting does not line up with the word of God, then I believe in a sense... We are mimicking these Christians. These guys were, were habitual liars. You ever met a habitual liar? <laughs> I hope you're not a habitual liar today. Have you ever met an evil beast? The King James used the word beast. and Some people have said it simply means an evil 
brute. Then the Bible says slow bellies. This just simply means lazy. Laziness. I wrote down this. False teachers are often fueled by deception, uncontrolled behavior, and greed. Their presentation will be of great speech. Their presentation will be very eloquent and very appeasing to the ear. But watch out for the deception. Exposing false teachers is critical to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why should we rebuke false teachers? Well, first of all, because they are deceptive with their presentation. But may I share with you secondly from verses 13 through 15? I wrote down this. Rebuke false teachers because they are destructive with their pollution. Rebuke false teachers because they are destructive with their pollution. Their doctrine is corrupted. Their doctrine is counterfeit, and their doctrine is conceited. Verse number 13 says, This witness is true. Speaking about the attributes of these Cretans. And it goes on to say, Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. As you study the book of Titus, you have to study the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. And some people even bring in Philemon in here as well. These are what's called the pastoral epistles. And yes, they are great for an individual like myself and some of the other pastors we have in our church. But I want you to know that the, that the words that are being presented are not just for Titus or Timothy, young men going off into the ministry. These are the words of God and they are meant for all of us to apply to our lives. And sometimes we, we have to study these books together because they can really help, help, help understand, uh, gain more understanding about God's word. And it's interesting because over in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, the Bible says, Repu Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Sometimes we, we emphasize, hey, when it, when it comes to a false teacher, when it comes to preaching God's word, let's reprove, rebuke them. Yeah, let's do it. Bless God. But, but we often miss a word in that verse. When it says preaching the word, it says that our reproving and our rebuking and our ex exhorting is to be with long suffering. Now, long-suffering is, is an old King James word that we really don't use a lot today, but it means patience. And sometimes, when we're advancing God's word, we have to be patient with people. <laughs> when I first came to the church here, I was very punctual. If we don't start 11 a.m., I am mad. And uh, I've shown a lot of grace over the years about that. I've learned to adapt, or as they say, evolve, when it comes to punctuality. But I want you to look at verse number, uh, number, number 14. It says, Not giving heed to Jewish fables. I wrote on this thought. Jewish fables are pollution to the factual word of God. Jewish fables are pollution to the factual word of God. 
You see, what was going on during this island of Crete with these Judaizers and these Christians and, and these people coming in and they were Jewish and they, they professed that they knew God and they were coming in with their doctrine and they would, they would use these Jewish fables. So what they would do is they would go into the Old Testament and they would read in between the lines of the Word of God and they would add or they would take away and they would, they would say different things about, about these, these Jewish fables that really didn't, didn't have an anchor found in the Word of God and I'm afraid that sometimes in modern Christianity we are just as guilty of these, of these people adding to the Word of God and, and reading in between the lines and saying this and saying that. But, but may I say this? Let's just stick with wor the Word of God. Let's just stick with what God says in His Word. Uh, you know, they say about Jerry Falwell, one preacher said that Jerry Falwell said that if, if God's Word doesn't necessarily say it, then I'm not going to preach against it. And... And Jack Hiles used to say that, that, if, that if God's word doesn't, doesn't speak for it, then I'm going to preach out against it. <laughs> so I, I, want you, I said that to say this, that, that hey, whatever spectrum we are on when it comes to the word of God, let's, let's remember that God's word is God's word and God's word is final. No questions asked. The Bible goes on to say, and commandments of men that turn from the truth. You see, as they would go into the Old Testament, as they would read between the lines, as they would get these stories and, and, and share these thoughts that didn't have a leg to stand on, then, then they would add commandments to the Word of God. So I wrote on this, commandments of men are pollution compared to the commandments of God. Commandments of men are pollution compared to the commandments of God. The pollution that goes on in our world is, is a challenge. When, I when we were cycling across America, I was excited about going through Mobile, Alabama because we were going through the bay. And I was excited about seeing the big old ships and the big old bay. I was expecting to see a crystal clear bay that I could see all the way at the bottom and see all the nice, beautiful fish swimming around. And as, I, as we got into Mobile, Alabama, and, and as we crossed over a bridge, and we got onto the, to the bridge that was going across the bay, I just, listen, I didn't smell fried chicken, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it smelled like the gar garbage dump. And as I looked into the water, I said, man, all I see is, is nothing. I can't see anything. In fact, if you put your hand in the water, you couldn't see your hand. And it just stunk to high heaven because of the pollution that was entering in that sea. And I'm afraid that sometimes our churches stink so bad because the commandments of man have polluted the congregation of God. Let's stay with God's word and not add to or take away. Verse 15 goes on to say, Unto the pure all things are pure. This word pure, it gives the idea of not being defiled. And it says, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. I wrote down this, a defiled conscience is pollution compared to an undefiled conscience before God. A defiled conscience is pollution compared to an undefiled conscience before God. Remember what Timothy said, or what Paul told to Timothy? He said, in the last days... There will be men 
giving heed to seducing spirits. They will be departing from the faith. They will give heed to doctrines of devils. They will speak lies and hypocrisy, and they will have consciences that have been seared by a hot iron. Sin is something that we all are going to battle. And every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, apart from Jesus Christ, has sinned against God. And we will continue to sin as a people. Because we're fallen from God. And we need that forgiveness from Him. But may I say this today? As we're living our, walk, living our life and walking the walk of faith, that when you do sin, and it comes to a point where it doesn't bother you in your walk with God, then you have a major serious problem in your relationship with God. You see, I'm not concerned about the one who sins against God and, and bows down and says, God, forgive me. I'm concerned about the one who sins against God openly and doesn't care about seeking God's forgiveness. A defiled conscience is pollution in the eyes of God. Rebuke false teachers because they are destructive with their pollution. That is, their doctrine is corrupted and it will ruin our church. Rebuke false teachers because they are deceptive with their presentation. Exposing false teachers is critical to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now may I share with you probably the most important verse of this chapter and this text. Verse number 16. As I read this verse, I wrote down this. Rebuke false teachers because they are divisive with their profession. Rebuke false teachers because they are divisive with their profession. Of course, I memorized Scripture growing up as a child. Memorized verses like Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Memorized verses like Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Or verses like John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But after I got saved, I began to, when I was a 16-year-old young man, I began to memorize more Scripture with some of the influences in my life. And, and this verse right here, Titus 1, 16, was one of the verses that I memorized as a young teenager. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being an abominable and disobedient and a every good work reprobate and, and in the context of false teachers the bible says here that these false teachers they have a, a, a they acknowledge that they know god but their works deny him i wrote down this a divisive profession denies the faith in action a divisive profession denies the faith in action. Have you ever heard the saying, actions speak louder than words? I believe that's what this verse is telling us. That, hey, our actions are going to speak a lot louder than our words. I like what, the, what one preacher said. He said, your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> I know it gets a little confusing. But, but, hey, when you're talking the talk but not walking the walk, something is wrong in your life. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, if we say we love Jesus Christ, let's keep His commandments. And here we see these people, they, they were professing, they were acknowledging, yes, I believe in God, but, 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 but their lifestyle didn't back up what they were saying. How's your profession? 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose victoriously from the grave 2,000 years ago? Do you believe that Jesus ascended up into glory and is at the right hand of God the Father this moment? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back and is going to descend from His heavenly throne and place His foot on the Mount of Olives and then reign for a 1,000 years on this earth? Do you believe that, church? But do your actions follow what you believe? Of course, we love the King James around here, and I can talk to you why we use the King James. But if you carry that old King James Bible, and all it does is collect dust, and you don't get your nose in it, and then you don't apply it to your life, then what's the point in having that old King James Bible? I'm afraid that sometimes we come together in our worship services and we lift up our hands high in worship to God. But as soon as we exit out of the building of the congregation, our hearts are far from God and our lifestyles are not matched up with what the Word of God is saying. It's time that we lay aside the false teaching that, that hey, on Sunday mornings you can, you, can worship, you can get your worship on, as they say. But when you enter back into the, to the life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you don't have to live. And practice what you've just preached on Sunday. A divisive profession denies the faith in action. What did James say? James said, faith without works is dead. He didn't say that, 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 that in order to get salvation you have to have works. He said, no, your faith is verified by your works. Martin Luther hated the book of James. Martin Luther wanted the book of James out of the Word of God because he misunderstood. As great of a theologian as he was, he misunderstood the epistle of James. How James was saying that when you do work for God, you are making a manifestation of your faith in God. I wonder, how's your work today? How's that walk? And how's that talk? As I began to read on, this verse says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. It says, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. As I was reading the second part, I wrote down this. A divisive profession is an abomination. A divisive profession is an abomination. You might be able to fool me. You might be able to fool your mama. You might be able to fool your daddy. You might be able to fool your cousin down the road, your neighbors. You might be able to fool, uh, fool everybody in this church. But let me tell you somebody who you can't fool. You can't fool Almighty God. And Almighty God knows your relationship status when it becomes with Him. I'm not talking about your Facebook status, if you're single, married, divorced, separated, whatever. I'm talking about your relationship status with Almighty God. And if it's just a profession of words, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. You know, often we talk about abominations. We go into the Old Testament book of Leviticus and we talk about bestiality. We talk about homosexuality. We talk about all these sins. And yes, they are abomination in God's eyes. But may I say this today, an abomination in God's eyes is somebody who says they love God, but in their works they deny Him. As I read the last part of this verse, it ends with a word that we don't like to talk about today. It's the word reprobate. And I wrote down this. A divisive profession results in God's rejection. A divisive profession results in God's rejection. Your parents or grandparents might have built the physical building where you grew up worshiping or worship 
in the past. Your daddy might have been a pastor. Your granddaddy might have been a pastor. In my case, your great-great-great-grandfather might have been a pastor. And I understand he was a pulpit hitting and foot stomping, vein popping out kind of preacher. So it's in my blood. So forgive me if I get a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> but if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't believe in the atonement of the cross and what he's done, when you stand before God, he will reject you. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you, into everlasting fire. Here, this word reprobate, it's not only found here in Titus, it's also found in Romans chapter 1. And this word reprobate, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting word, and, and all it means is a castaway. Today, it's not my job, because as I've read Romans chapter 1, there's sins that I've committed that, that, listen, as I read Romans chapter 1, it hits me right in the face. And I know that as all of us read Romans chapter 1, it hits us all in the face. So it's not one particular sin that makes somebody a reprobate. But I will say this, that just as, as um, Pharaoh in the Old Testament, his heart was eventually hardened from the gospel or the word of God, there comes a time in somebody's life if they've heard the gospel and they've heard God's word over and over and over and over and over again, and they understand that they have to put their faith in Christ, that there comes a time when the long-suffering of God will cease to exist in that individual's life and God will reject them. It's not my position or your position or anybody else's position to say who that is. So I say this with compassion in my soul that I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you've done. If you ask God for forgiveness, He can forgive you. Amen. Have you ever seen... I will make a disclaimer... I'm not advocating that everything that was said and done in this movie is approved by me or our church. But have you ever seen that movie called Castaway and the, the actor Tom Hanks starred in that movie? That movie is a unique, unique movie because there is this man ends up on a deserted island. And you know, sometimes we would think that, that being on a, on a deserted island all by ourselves, oh, it would be real nice. But after a few months and after a few years, sometimes it can get a little crazy. And you still saw the movie how this man began to talk a volleyball as if it was another man. <laughs> wow, what, a, what an interesting thing. But, but, but I share all that to say this, that, 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 that somebody who is rejected by God will be cast away into devil's hell for all eternity. And that's something that there's false teaching going on in our, in our day that says everybody will get to go to heaven. Well, my friend... The Bible says otherwise. And it's time that we get back into the Bible and read what the Bible says. I close with this. We all go to the bank or maybe you use your banking app on your phone. And if you brought a sum of money into the bank and you gave it to a teller and there was a counterfeit $100 bill, they would be able to spot it right off the bat. If, not, if they don't spot it by the eye, they'll take that magic marker and they'll put it on there. And if it makes a certain color, they'll know that it's fake. And the way we can discern what a false teacher is, is by making sure we're handling the Word of God correctly. That means that we're studying it. We're researching it. We're digging in deep and staying low. Seeking to grow our knowledge of God's Word. And grow in our understanding and our faith of Jesus Christ. 
Why should we rebuke false teachers? Well, because they have, they use, they are divisive with their profession. They are destructive with their pollution. And they are deceptive with their presentation. May God help us to get into the Word of God so that we can spot counterfeit Christianity. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.